I know you are fired up about starting to not eat tomorrow, right? Come on, somebody. All right, like 12 of you. Um, Hey, if you're new here today, uh, you might think, what in the world am I getting into? This seems a little cultish. And... um, But we are doing our 21 days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow, all right? And if you weren't here last week, we talked uh, about that, and there's actually information on our website about that, revolution.church. Just go to the top, hit the abide banner. But it's abide 21 days of prayer and fasting. Starts January 13th to February 2nd, all right? We bookended it by two huge football games, all right? So January 13th, the National College Championship, February 2nd, Super Bowl Sunday. And we did that on purpose, all right, to help you realize that you have an idol called food, all right? And if you can't watch a football game without food, then you got a worship problem, all right? Uh, and so we, we are doing that. And that's a little bit of a joke, but none of you laughed. And so you didn't find that funny because uh, I just identified your idol, all right? Um, but no, seriously, in, in all seriousness, we're doing this because as a church now for, I think this is the third year, We're intentionally setting aside time at the beginning of the year for us to sit at the feet of Jesus and and receive from him. Again, if you were here last week, we talked about Mary and Martha and how Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his teaching. And Martha was wrestling around and anxious and troubled about many things. But Jesus responded to her and said, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion and it won't be taken from her. And so this is our way of, of kind of speaking back into the culture and, and raising up a white flag. And that's why the white flag's outside of our Canton campus. And we'll be at Jasper as well to say, hey, we're surrendering. We're surrendering as a people to the work of God in our lives. And, and by setting aside a season of time of praying and fasting and worship for 21 days, and that's significant as you'll see in the sermon today, it's, it's a time for us to focus on the one thing that is necessary. The one thing that is necessary, and that is receiving the word of God, sitting at the feet of Jesus and letting him minister to us. And I said this last week, but you know, God created the world to be a merry kind of world with some simple Martha moments of work, but because of sin, it has been flipped. And now we live in a Martha world where it's just go, 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 go all the time. We have to fight for merry moments. And so this is our way of kind of raging back against the culture and saying, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to sit. We're going to receive from Jesus. And this is why this is so important, I think, at the beginning of the year. And I would even argue at the beginning of this new decade is there's a lot of things you need to do. Listen, I get it. Taxes are coming up. You know, you got kids in school and you got sports and, and you got to make sure they get a college scholarship. So you spend the equivalent amount of money of college scholarship with all the coaches and stuff and leagues and stuff. And you got to do all that, right? And I'm not saying any of that's bad, but I'm saying, but, but there's one thing you must do. There is one thing you must do. And that is continue to invest in your own life with Jesus. And so this is our way of saying that for for 21 days. And then at the end of it, uh, we're going to have Abide Worship Nights on January 29th through February 1st, all right? That's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. And Wednesday night is our student night. Uh, That's when we have rev students. And so uh, these are nights of worship and prayer. So for all the adults, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. This year, we're not bringing in speakers. Uh, We're going to have time of worship and prayer, and just receive from the Lord. And, and we'll do that as a way to culminate 
those 21 days. And then on February 2nd, that Sunday, we'll break our fast together with communion and baptism. So it's gonna be great. And I wanna encourage you. And again, there's information on our website and two elements to this that I would highly recommend to you. And I mentioned this last week and then we'll get in to the sermon. One, I'd recommend some kind of media fast, whether that's social media or news or TV or whatever it is. Uh, just think of the one thing that if you didn't do for 21 days, you would start twitching. That's what you need to do, all right? You're like, ah, if, I can't, if, I, if I can't post selfies of myself for 21 days. Yeah. Quit posting pictures of yourself, all right? Um, I, I was driving down the road yesterday and a lady had her phone out <laughs> with two dogs. And I'm like, for real, you need a life. And... Um, and the second thing I would, I would recommend to you, again, is some kind of food component. Some kind of food component. Um, and we'll get into that in the sermon as well. Doesn't mean you have to fast from all food. I did that last year. This year, I'm not doing quite like that. I'm going to do more like a Daniel fast, a modified version of that. In fact, that's the, where we're going to be in the Bible today. So if you want to turn to Daniel chapter 10, you can. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. It's in the Old Testament. If you don't know where Daniel is, it's past Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, then you'll get to Daniel. Uh, pro tip, just go to the table of contents and figure out what page it is, all right? You're not a bad Christian if you gotta do that. So those are coming up, and again, uh, even if you do uh, fast from social media, we will be putting information out on our social media, and so, you know, I, you can look at the church's social media, all right? Uh, if that's too much of a distraction for you, then you can go on the website. So we will be putting out information uh, each day, each week about praying and, and all the things that we're asking God to do, all right? So I wanna highly encourage you about that. Uh, you got today to figure that out. You can Google more about information about fasting and all that kind of stuff. We've got a little bit on the website to help you with that. But Daniel chapter 10 is where we're gonna be today. And so as you're turning there, let's pray before we get started, all right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. And God, I pray as we open your word today, as always, that you would speak to us in mighty ways. Uh, we are trying our best to be like Mary, to sit at your feet, to listen to your teaching, the logos, the word, the power behind everything. And so God, as we do that intentionally today for the next 30 minutes or so, I pray that you would speak through the power of your word, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, remember, I told you this last week, the reason, again, why we're doing all this 21 days of prayer and fasting is our theme word for 2020 and, and really for the 2020s, this decade, is the word integrated. We want to be an integrated people. We want to multiply, but we want to make sure we're multiplying healthy, whole people. And the word integrate very simply is this, and I've got the definition on the screen, is to combine one thing with another so that they become whole. That's as simple as I can break it down for you, to combine one thing with another so that they become whole, all right? We talked last week about how we so often live compartmentalized lives. We compartmentalize everything. We're one way at church, we're one way at home, we're one way at work. And, and what we're saying is, no, we wanna be integrated. We wanna be one. I was having uh, a conversation with a guy I just met this week, um, and in the course of our conversation, he said something, he quoted Mark Twain, and I have no reason to believe it wasn't Mark Twain, but when he said it, I'm like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And here was the quote. He said that Mark Twain said, tell the truth because then you have less to remember. And I thought, man, that is it. 
The reason why life might be so exhausting to you is because you're saying one thing over here and one thing over here and one thing over here and one thing out there. And you're like, oh, which, uh, what am I saying? I have these compartmentalized selves. I have this image and that image and that image. And what we're saying is that we want to bring this together. We want to be integrated. We want to be whole. We want to be one church in multiple cities. We want to be who we are and who God's making us to be no matter where we are. Does that make sense? So that's the theme. That's the thrust of everything that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. So let's jump into Daniel chapter 10. I'm not going to read the whole chapter just for the sake of time because I can't, but I would highly recommend you read the whole thing. I'm going to read verses one through three, and then we're going to skip down to verse 11. So let's start with verse one. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word, and he had understanding of the vision. So let's, let's stop and chat here for a second. The Bible is a historical book, and what's amazing is the more archaeology we do, the more study that we do, the more the Bible is proved right over and over and over again. Uh, it's really amazing. Through the higher criticism of the 19th and 20th century, the Bible took a beating um, but now through technology, we're learning and that the Bible actually is the one who gives the beating, right? The Bible is the one, I don't mean that as a negative sense, but the Bible is true. And one of the reasons why we know it's true is because of things like this. In verse one, Daniel is writing this and he says, this was in third year of King Cyrus of Persia. Now, again, I'm not going to nerd out on you too much, but I love history. Again, you can go look this stuff up, but historically speaking, you have the nation of Israel, all right? And they came out of Egypt. They went into the promised land. They were there. They were ruling and reigning. David, you know, Saul, then David, then Solomon. And they built the temple in Jerusalem, built the city. And, and, and they were prosperous and, and, and were in charge of that promised land for, for many, many years. But because of their disobedience to the Lord, it split into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was, was beat by the Assyrians. And then in 586 BC, the southern kingdom where Jerusalem and the temple was, was defeated by the Babylonians, the empire of the Babylonians. And the Jewish people were kicked out into exile. And Daniel was one of those guys. And so if you remember early on in Daniel, you had the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and a bungalow. And uh, they had, you know... Uh, <laughs> They had the fiery furnace incident, and you had Daniel who wouldn't worship the king, and, and, and they wouldn't worship the king, and he was throwing the lions in, and you know, all this crazy stuff. Well, here's what you need to know. Historically speaking, when one empire would conquer another empire, they would take their youngest, best and brightest males and females, and then ship them off to the, to the center of the new empire to educate them in that culture to basically try to educate them out of the culture they were grown into. And so Daniel was a part of that. And so now he was in Babylon. And then after the Babylonian empire came the Persian empire. And the Persian empire conquered the Babylonian empire. Here's what's a little crazy to me. The Persian empire is modern day Iran. And we're dealing with that today. And just what's happened in the conflict there. And I'm not getting into that politically. I'm just making a statement that it has been going on for thousands of years. And so now here's Daniel. He has now gone from his Jerusalem, you know, heritage, his Hebrew heritage to now being conquered by the Babylonians and having to thrive in Babylon in that culture. Now he's in another culture that defeated the culture that defeated his. And Daniel at this point in time, most scholars believe is, is about 85. So he's in his 80s. 
And here's what's crazy historically. Cyrus gave an edict that the Jews could go back home. The Jewish people could go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. They had been gone for seven years and they could go back. Well, Daniel didn't go back. Most scholars believe that he either was too old to make the trek back and he, he couldn't make it or that he wanted to stay because obviously he had influence into the culture, even though it wasn't a godly culture, he had influence. And so he wanted to stay and influence that culture. I think either is fine. And I think probably, honestly, both of them are true. Probably didn't want to go back and knew that he could do more for the Lord in as a missionary in a foreign culture. You understand what I'm saying when I say that? So here he is, and this is what's going on. Jewish people have gone back, but when they go back, they're building the temple. And as they're building the temple, Ezra tells us, this is where Nehemiah and Ezra comes later. Ezra was building the temple, Nehemiah was building the wall. Ezra tells us that they faced fierce opposition from the Samaritans and other people there who didn't want the Jewish people building their center of worship again. So that's the scene, or that's the, set, the, the, the drop back of what we're gonna read in verse two and three. All right, you with me? Let's read verse two and three. It says this, in those days... I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Three weeks. Literally, the idea of three weeks is three groups of seven days. So three times seven is how many days? You guys are smart, man. 21. 21 days. He says, I was mourning for 21 days. Verse three, I ate no delicacies. No meat or wine entered my mouth nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So a lot of significance here, so let's chat. It's three groups of seven days. Now, we've structured these 21 days just like that, and, and for good reason, because this is how the Bible is thinking here. Three groups of seven days. So if you go on our website or you follow on social media, that's, that's how we've structured these, seven, these 21 days, three groups of seven. For the first seven days, we're praying John 15, just God, we want to abide in you. We want to rest in you. We want to sit with you. We want to obey you. We want to abide in you. The second, second, second group of seven days, we're praying God prune us, cut away what you need to cut away, the bad, even, even the things that were good, but they need to go. And then the third group of seven days, we're praying about fruit. God, would you grow fruit in us? So abide, prune, fruit. All right, so three groups of seven days for a total of 21. Because that's what Daniel did. Now, not only did Daniel pray, he fasted. And it says it like this. I ate no delicacies. Now, the word delicacy, literally, this is what it means. Best or of the most valuable thing. So the best of the most valuable thing. It can be used of food. It can be used of clothing, of products, or whatever. So when he says, I didn't eat delicacies, he's saying he didn't eat the choicest stuff, the, the fine stuff, the, the high-end stuff, the most valuable stuff with food. And, and, and you'd be like, hey, well, that's easy to fast from because I don't eat that stuff anyway, all right? But, but again, think about it like this. Delicacy is basically whatever's most valuable to you. All right, whatever's most valuable to you. So, so when you're thinking about what food do I need to fast from, let me ask you this question. What is at least one thing that if you went without it for 21 days, you would feel like an addict? For you, it might be sweet tea. 
You'd be like, no, bro, every meal I have sweet tea. I'm straight from the South. Right? And so if I don't have sweet tea for 21 days, woo, everybody better watch out. Well, that's what you need to let go of. All right? For you, it might be sweets. When I think of, let's be honest, how many of you, when you heard the word delicacy, that's exactly what you thought of? You know what I mean? Like banana pudding, peach cobbler, all the stuff that you need to go eat from Publix before 10 o'clock tonight. All right? Delicacies. What is that? I don't know what that is for you. Biblically, all it's saying is what's most valuable, what's most important. And so whatever that is for you, Daniel went without. Now, we, again, we know earlier on from Daniel that when he went into Babylon, he wouldn't eat all the choice foods from the kingdom. He would eat vegetables and fruits, and that's what we now call the Daniel diet. And obviously, he ate no meat, which further is into that. So all you vegans out there, here is your biblical basis, all right? And, and I think that's great. Again, that's awesome. I mean, Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible says he gave us seed-bearing plants to eat. And so vegetables, fruits, I, I, I would highly recommend you, you, again, you think about this, you pray about this. What is it that you need to let go of for the next 21 days? Delicacies, meats, wine. You're like, oh, I don't drink wine. I drink Natty Light. <laughs> well, there you have it, my friend. You need to let that go for 21 days. All right? I don't know what it is, but here's what I know. Daniel did that for a purpose. And here's what you need to hear me say from a fasting standpoint. Whatever it is over the next 21 days, it's less about what it is that you're letting go of, and it's more about what you're entering into. It's more about replacing those things with the word of God. That's the point. So over the next 21 days, if you go without that, but you don't read your Bible and you don't pray, then it was fruitless. The point is not to be legalistic over what you're not eating the next 21 days. The point is spend time with the Lord and his word. Mourn. See, that's what he said. He mourned. Now that word mourn means to grieve. Now, Daniel specifically is grieving over the spiritual condition of his people, the Jewish people, because they didn't have their temple to worship their God in for decades. And now they've gone back to have that, and they're facing such fierce opposition. So Daniel is grieving over the spiritual condition of his people. That's the point, my friends. You and I, over the next 21 days, need to grieve over the spiritual condition of ourselves, of our families, of our marriages, of our church, of our communities, of our cities, of our states, of our world. Listen, there is plenty to grieve about. And that's the point. Now, it also says he didn't anoint himself for the 21 days. Little word on that. The idea of this in the biblical sense is back then, they didn't have baths and showers the way we do. They would anoint themselves with oils that smell good and fragrances and lotions. But Daniel didn't even do that. Now hear me. <clears throat> For the sake of obeying the command of loving your neighbor, take a shower, bro. All right? Put on deodorant. Now, now, 
if you're the type of person that spends hours, you know, anointing yourself, then maybe you want to dial that back a little bit. Hey, if the Lord leads you to do that, then do it. All right. Again, there's biblical precedent for it. But again, the point is not to be legalistic. Like if your kid actually comes into dinner and smelling good, you're like, oh, it's all right. They can brush their teeth. They, you know what I'm saying? Like you with me. All right. So that's the point. And, and here's why. Go down to verse 11. Verse 11. Again, I, I don't have time to get into verse four through 10, but I would highly recommend you read that. What happens is after these 21 days, an angelic being, a heavenly being visits Daniel. And, and, and he describes him. Some scholars believe it's Jesus. Some scholars believe it's Gabriel. Listen, there's some merit to both of those arguments. But again, the point is not so much about who it is. It's just that the person's from heaven. And Daniel says he had the appearance of man and then he describes him and that's what he does. And then the person or the angelic being puts his hand on Daniel and then speaks to him. And listen to what he says in verse 11. And he said to me, Daniel, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Now, I want you to hear me, so I'm slowing it down intentionally here. The first thing that Daniel hears is how loved he is. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Now, listen to this. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. So here's Daniel. For 21 days, he's been on his face, mourning, grieving, crying, fasting, not showering. And then a a being shows up and says, stand up. Let me tell you how loved you are. Now look at verse 12. Then he said to me, fear not. So uh, you need to understand about angels. Apparently, they're not these cute, fat, little Cupid-like creatures that fly around that you would want to put on your windows and Christmas trees and sills, you know. Every time an angel shows up, the first, or somewhere in the first thing, what they say is, don't be afraid. So apparently, these are some pretty terrifying creatures. So he says, fear not, Daniel. Now look at this. From the what day? Let's, let's, let's read this again. Come on, everybody, both, both places. From the first day. Now, what day are we in right now in this text? You like, is this a trick question? Yeah. Yes, it's 21 days. Now, it actually tells us it's on the 24th, 24th day. All right, but we are 21 days in, and then the first thing he hears, you're loved, fear not, and from the first day. Now listen, from the first day, you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, don't miss this. 
From the first day, from the first day, Daniel, that you set your heart. That's the title of my message today. Set your heart. The phrase there, set your heart, means to fix conclusively and exclusively or to place an object underneath the influence and control of another. So what Daniel was doing when he was praying and fasting is he was setting his heart. He was placing his heart exclusively underneath the control of his God. And he humbled himself. Now, you might ask, well, pastor, can I just pray over 21 days? Why do I have to fast? Because fast is a humbling exercise. And it's one, let's be honest, Americans just don't do. And, and we would be wise to start. It's, it's crazy to me how intermittent fasting has become so popular. I, I think the, the Lord would be like, yeah, I wrote about that thousands of years ago. Where y'all been? Where y'all been? It's amazing now how all this research has, has backed up what the Bible has said. See, humbling yourself, again, is, is, a, is a positional thing. It's, it's saying... I am finite. Listen to me. You and I are so physically needy, we cannot go without something from outside of ourselves to sustain ourselves. We can't go without food. We can't go without water. We can't go without sleep. I mean, you and I are so frail. If we do not sleep, and, and don't recommend this, but if you don't sleep for days on end, you could die. This is why when you go without sleep for like a day or two days, literally your blood alcohol level starts spiking and you start acting drunk. You and I are so physically limited and needy that we need plants. We need trees to breathe and eat and animals and sleep. So fasting is a humbling exercise where you remind yourself if it were not for God, if it were not for his goodness, if it were not for him providing for you, you would be nothing. So that's why, you see, praying is good, but when you fast on top of it, Jesus said that like this, there are some things that just can't happen without it. Praying is good, but fasting, it just, it just unlocks something. And here's what happened. It unlocked something in Daniel's life. From the first day, it set in motion spiritual forces to move on Daniel's part, on Daniel's behalf. Now, here's what's crazy. You don't have to turn back there. But what did he say when he showed up? Man greatly what? Loved. You know what's cool? You don't get this in the English, but you do in the Hebrew. You want to know what word that is in Hebrew? It's the exact same word from verse three of delicacy. It's the exact same Hebrew word. Now, remember what delicacy was? Most important, valuable thing. Now, don't miss this. Daniel went without delicacies 
so that a heavenly being could show up 21 days later and tell Daniel that to God, Daniel is the delicacy. Daniel is the delicacy to God. Daniel is God's most important thing. Now, don't hear me say that where I'm saying I'm elevating man to the level of God. I'm not. Obviously, the the level of the love of the Trinity is exclusive. But you need to understand something. One of the reasons why you and I wrestle so much with how God sees us is because we're putting all these other things that are most important in front of him instead of going without them to understand that we are his delicacy. We have all these other voices in our lives and we miss out on the word of God saying to us that Jesus Christ loved you, that he laid down his life for you. It took Daniel 21 days to understand how God saw him. Let me say it to you like this. It took 21 days for Daniel to have a spiritual breakthrough. It took 21 days for Daniel to understand that when he went without the delicacies that he is used to eating, that then he understood that he was the delicacy that God wanted most. Don't miss this. And from the first day, he says, your words have been heard. From the first day. Now, you might ask the question, well, if they were heard on the first day, and this being came because of the words, because James tells us the prayer of a righteous person is effective and avails or affects much. So your prayers can set in motion spiritual powers. Why did it take 21 days? Well, that's a great question. Look at verse 13. Now listen to this. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me how many days? 21. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael capital M, this is Michael the archangel, one of the chief princes came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Now, what in the mess is that? Huh? Now, now hang with me here, and I don't have much time, so I'm going to do my best to do a seminary load of stuff in like four minutes. Here's what you need to understand. He's already told us who the king of Persia is. Who is that? Cyrus, a physical being. Now he's talking about the prince of Persia. Now the prince is normally the son of the king, but this person that he's describing is not a physical being. In fact, we know by the word he uses in Hebrew, the prince, the sark. And then he says that Michael is a chief prince, same word. And we know that Michael is not a physical being. Michael is a spiritual being. Michael is the archangel, a great angel who the book of Jude tells us in this really weird verse in verse six, that he argued with Satan over the body of Moses. 
And, and this, and, and now hang with me here. Some of you might find this interesting. Some of you might find this cultish, all right? But you need to understand from a Hebrew mindset, a biblical mindset, we do not live in a physical world that, that just happens to have some spiritual realities. Before there was a physical world, there was a spiritual one. God is spirit. And the Bible word for that, the Hebrew word for that is Elohim. It just means supernatural being. Now, hang with me here before you think I'm a heretic. The Bible says there are many Elohim. There are many spiritual beings. Now, this is when you'd be like, well, hold up. The Bible says God is Elohim. He is. Here's, here's the best way I can explain it to you. There are spiritual beings that are Elohim, and God is an Elohim. But there are no Elohim that are Yahweh. There is God, Yahweh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is an Elohim, but he is the Elohim of Elohims. But then there are other spiritual beings that he created. So say it like this. Before God created a physical family in Adam and Eve, he created a spiritual family. He created a spiritual family. Again, if you want more information about this, I've recommended this book before, a small book called Supernatural by Dr. Michael Heiser. If you're into like study and stuff, his longer book, The Unseen Realm, it's like that thick. I've read them both. Fantastic. But in Genesis chapter 6, you got the sons of God. In Genesis chapter 11, you have the people building a tower called the Tower of Babel, and they want to get to God. And it's in Genesis chapter 11 that God, he disperses the people and he says, no, you, you can't be one people with one language. So he makes a bunch of languages. He makes a bunch of people and he scatters them out. And then according to Deuteronomy chapter 32, again, just some references here, Psalm 82, that when God did that, he put these Elohim or these spiritual beings in charge of these empires, of these peoples. And he did that for them to be the mediator between heaven and earth, for them to judge, for them to help control. But here's what happened. Satan, and again, this doesn't make, it shouldn't be weird to you if you've been around church, led a rebellion. He led a rebellion in the spiritual realm and he took a lot of those princes and he led them to rebel against God. And instead of being God's steward to those nations, they became their gods. Little g gods. Elohim. And these nations started worshiping these spiritual beings instead of the one true Elohim, Yahweh. So you need to understand something here. Have I lost you yet? Behind every, listen to me, behind every physical authority on earth is a spiritual one. Behind every kingdom and empire on earth is a spiritual one. How do we know this? Ephesians 6, go read it. Not now, but Ephesians 6, 12. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we don't fight battles of flesh and blood. We fight against, now watch this word, principalities. What's the first part of that word? Prince. So this is the principality of Persia. This is the spiritual power behind Persia. 
And Daniel's prayers were held up for 21 days because if, if this is Gabriel, Gabriel was coming to Daniel to speak to him, but he was fighting the spiritual battles with the prince of Persia. Now, this is crazy. And I just don't have time to get in this, but in Daniel chapter 10, the last few verses, verse 19, it says that, that being says to Daniel again, man greatly loved. And then in verse 20, he says, after this, I got to go back and fight the prince of Persia. And then check this out, because then the prince of Greece is coming. Now, <laughs> the Bible is crazy amazing. You want to know what kingdom defeated the kingdom of Persia? Any guesses? The kingdom of Greece, Alexander the Great, anybody? Go do, your, go do your history. You're like, bro, I slept through that in eighth grade. Well, sorry, that's on you. So don't miss this. Power shifts from Babylon to Persia, from Persia to Greece. And it shifted because of the spiritual forces behind them. And those spiritual forces behind them were leading them against the people of God. And then in verse 20, this angel or this being says to Daniel, Michael, your prince. See, Michael is the prince of the Jewish people. He is the spiritual power, the good spiritual power that's protecting them. See, here's what's crazy. You go back and read Genesis 11. After all these nations, what happened in Genesis 12? Real quick, Genesis 12 from all the nations, God chooses a man named Abram to make a new nation out of and puts Michael over him and, and starts to orchestrate human history so that from that man would come the savior of the world. So that God, listen to me, could redeem all those other nations back from the spiritual forces that were corrupting them. That's what Paul tells us in Colossians 2. Colossians 2, you can go read it later. Paul says, we were dead, but God made us alive together with Christ by taking the written record of sin that was held against us because that's the record that the spiritual forces use against us. And then he nailed it to the cross. And then it says this, this is crazy. He took all those spiritual powers and defeated them and put them to shame. So that above every name, above every kingdom, above every power is the authority of the prince of peace, the king of kings. Now listen to me. Daniel chapter 10 is pre-Jesus, pre-cross. So what was happening there in the spiritual realm was a result of Daniel's with going from the physical realm. His fasting and prayer in the physical realm tied him into the power of the spiritual realm. And now, because of Christ, we have power over the princes behind the principalities of this world. But you wanna know why so many Christians don't live in that power? is because we don't go without the delicacies in the physical realm and set in motion from the first day 
power coming to us from the heavenly realm. But what did Jesus pray in Matthew 6? The Lord's prayer, your will be done on where? Earth as it is where? In heaven and your kingdom come. Friends, listen to me. Why do we need to pray and fast for the next 21 days? Because you need the kingdom of heaven to invade your kingdom on earth. You need the kingdom of your God to come in and invade your heart and your marriage and your kids and your home and this church and this community. And he wants to. He wants to speak to you. Look at verse 14. He said, and I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the later days for the vision is for days yet to come. Church, God wants to give you a word. He wants to give you a logos. He wants to give you a power. And I'm, I don't know about you, but at 41, I need power. I'm tired of letting spiritual forces in the heavenly realms dictate my life in the physical. I need spiritual breakthrough. I need God to move in my life, in my marriage, in my kids, in my home, in this church. And we can set in motion tomorrow things that are gonna war in the spiritual realm. But your prince, Jesus, has all authority on heaven and earth. And there is no spiritual power that can come against his name because he disarmed them. He put them to open shame. And now we're fighting. We're fighting physical battles. Let me say it like this. We're fighting spiritual battles with physical tools. But you got to pick up, the Bible says, the armor of God, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. But you can't get that if you're feeding yourself with just physical food. So church, we have an opportunity over the next 21 days to humble ourselves, to set our heart, to set in motion. And again, I'm not contradicting the sovereignty of God here, but God works through the kingdoms of men, through his Holy Spirit, through you and through me. And we can set into motion power and breakthroughs in our lives. Not because we are so good, but because God is so good. And he wants to say to you, you're my delicacy. You're who I love. And I have so much for you. Can't you go without some banana pudding? Can't you go without some Dr. Pepper, some sweet tea, some chicken fried steak? Can't you munch on some celery and some cucumbers for a few weeks? Some broth? 
as a sign that you're, you're desperate. You're desperate for me. Listen, church, God has so much more for us. And I got to wrap this up. But if you're here today and you don't know that you're his delicacy, you don't know that he sent Christ through the kingdom of men in Genesis chapter 12 to redeem back all the nations that he just scattered. He set in motion a plan to redeem you from the spiritual forces that had taken you hostage. He wants you back because you're his. But if you haven't bowed the knee and confessed the name, then, then you're not. But today you can do that. Would you pray with me? Father, Thank you. Thank you that you didn't desert us, but you made us your dessert. You didn't leave us, but you left heaven. And you came to us to get us back. God, if there's anybody here today or listening that doesn't know that, that doesn't know that you love them, would you save them? Nobody looking around or talking in this moment. Um, God loves you so much that he laid down his life to get the keys back to your heart. He beat death from the inside. to get life on the inside of you. And if you'll receive him today, confess his name. You'll begin the process of freedom. So if you want to trust Christ and be saved, you can pray with me. You can say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son to save me, to redeem me back from the kingdom of men into the kingdom of my father. to show me that I'm valuable to you. Would you save me, forgive me? 
I confess Christ joyfully as my prince, as my king. Again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just prayed that for the first time, would you just simply lift your hand up and let us know? Thank you. You've just crossed over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, from death to life. And for those of us who, that's already happened, but if you're like me, you just keep going back to the physical and you need God to move in your life in the next 21 days. I'm just gonna pray for you, Father. We're gonna set our heart. We're gonna humble ourselves. We're gonna go without. But we're gonna feast like Jesus did on the word and the spirit. And God, would you set in motion the spiritual powers that overcome the forces of darkness? Give us breakthrough. Because in Jesus' name, we have it. We set our hearts on you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.